Yeah, Bruce Claggett in for Mike Smith. And, oh, time for Bill's beat this uh, this week. Bill Thielman, of course, a veteran BC political strategist, campaigner, and holder of wisdom. Good morning, Bill. So much to talk about. Hey, Bruce, how are we going to fit it all in? I know, we'll I know. We'll have to do it again tomorrow. Exactly. And you know what? Um, the one I like is uh, the... The changes to legislation brought in this week are both these clamp down, get tough type ideas, uh, both in terms of uh, Airbnb, short term rentals. Oh, yeah. And changes uh, tinkering more to the Police Act. We'll get to those uh, both. Let's start with Airbnb. <laughs> Is it going to make any difference whatsoever to bring in some, uh, you know, some legislation that's going to up the fines and uh, make things a little bit more difficult for those who have their eyes and hearts set on short-term rentals? Well, you know, honestly, Bruce, I think both the, the common theme on both this and the Surrey Police, which I think we'll talk about, is this is a government bringing in legislation to kind of clean up things that shouldn't have got to this stage already. And I think I think they kind of know that. Uh, on the Airbnb, I mean, you know, anybody who has spent any time downtown has seen people wandering around. We, in my strata building, uh, which is in Kitsilano, we, we've banned short-term rentals for a long time. But when we didn't, we saw, we saw the roller bags, we saw the backpacks, we saw the people with foreign accents coming in. And look, uh, you know, it's a real problem because if you've tried to rent a hotel room in Vancouver for visiting friends or family, you know it's very, very expensive. Um, and so a lot of people are turning to the alternatives of VRBO and, and Airbnb. But, you know, turning a, a rental building into a hotel under the guise of Airbnb is not right either. And uh, so I, I agree with the government. I'm doing this. I just think they should have done something a lot sooner than now. Well, yeah, but and we talked about this last half hour. I think it's still going to be a drop in the bucket uh, at the end of the day. But it is the optics and pretty good optics to uh, be doing something about it or conversely, pretty bad optics to have Airbnbs in a city like Vancouver that has this uh, short term rental crisis. Yeah, exactly. I mean, uh, the premier wasn't super clear on on how many units this is, but it's up to 16,000. So if you could turn 5,000 units around in the space of a a month or two, that would make a significant difference pretty clearly. But, you know, I heard your your interview with Peter Waldkirch, and uh, I looked it up because I was curious. He didn't give you a number, but a one-bedroom in Vancouver right now is renting for 29.76 and a two-bedroom 39.08. And it's not that much lower in Burnaby either. So those are the top two in this in the country. So it's kind of no wonder that there's a crisis going on when we've got, on the one hand, Airbnb, and on the other hand, uh, we've got extraordinarily high rentals. And this, uh, thanks for picking up on this. This is where I was going with it. And uh, if I had more time, I would have nailed them on it. Um, just trying to get a price on, when we talk about affordable housing, what are we talking about? What are the numbers? Well, What is you know, affordable? <laughs> Well, you know, you know what, what market goals? housing, let's even, Bill, let's say market housing. What are the numbers? Vancouver market. And, oh, uh, you know, crazy. is it realistic for somebody that is earning a normal wage or even a professional's wage? Or, yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah. And, and, you know, um, Bruce, as you know, I ran for city council last year. And, and the fact that I'm talking to you means I didn't win. But we did talk at team uh, for Livable Vancouver about vacancy control, which means the rent can't be jumped up 
by a phenomenal amount after one tenant leaves and another one comes in with maybe a coat of paint, maybe nothing done to the unit. And and so that is something that's going to have to be on the agenda at some point if we ever want to control this. But, uh, you know, right now there's some city policies, provincial policies, 20% below market. Well, if market is 3900 for a two-bedroom, you're not talking about a very affordable place at 20% below market. Uh, unfortunately, Peter and, and some of his friends continually just say supply, 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 but we've been doing supply, 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 and it hasn't created anything except the highest rents and the highest prices for housing in the entire world, in the entire country for a long time. So what, what we're doing isn't working. Well, yeah, you can have uh, supply, and yes, I understand basic economics, supply and demand, but you could also have huge supply in a city like Vancouver with everything being expensive. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, and I, there's no way around that Vancouver is always going to be an expensive city, but it doesn't have to be this expensive. And I think, you know, some of the solutions we need, obviously, infill housing, obviously, uh, that's one exception for the, the Airbnb legislations. If you have a laneway house or a, a suite in your basement or wherever, that, that is exempted, so that's good. But, uh, you know, we need more cooperatives. We need more social housing that for all levels of income because, you know, my daughter and son-in-law and granddaughter can't afford to buy a house in the city that's for sure. And they don't want to move out of their rental because they've got a a good rent and it is rent controlled. And, um, you know, to leave would be kind of crazy. Back in the day when I did my first degree in geography, urban geography, and we talked about uh, time distance distantiation, it was a concept that you can actually live in an area that uh, is about half an hour away from the city or an hour away from the city. And that could be two different distances. I still think that you can actually decrease the amount of distance in terms of time by living in a place like Surrey or Langley and still working in Vancouver. And I think that's the direction you should be going in. Well, there's lots of different uh, ways of doing that. I know people are living as far away as Abbotsford and Mission and commuting, but but personally, uh, you know, I really value my time and I, I, I just can't... Uh I can't fathom the, the the amount of travel and where and turn your car or vehicle that happens there. But, you know, it's up to everyone. I, I'll take a smaller place closer to work than a larger place oh, further Bill, away. So. Bill, you're an urbanite. I get it. Okay. I'm totally an urbanite. Yeah. <laughs> um, let's, let's talk about uh, the elephant in the room, the police act, the changes, Mike Farnworth, and this ongoing bloody fight between the Surrey uh, the city of Surrey and the province when it comes to a transition. You know, a lot of people are saying, oh, enough. And there are people listening to the radio right now that are saying enough with this. And I get it, but it's expensive. It's still not solved. And who has the power here? Yeah, well, exactly. And uh, just for disclosure, and as you know, Bruce, I work with the, the National Police Federation, which is the union for the RCMP, but I don't speak for them. But I've been involved, and, you know, I was spokesperson for the uh, Surrey Say on Policing. We tried to get a, a referendum uh, three years ago. If the government had listened to us, we got 42,000 signatures in 90 days in the Surrey writings. If the government had listened to us, this would have all been resolved one way or the other. But, you know, at the time, I said it, and uh, Linda Annis should know this, uh, Councillor Annis was on. I said at the time, if we don't get a referendum through uh, the provincial government, the municipal election will be the referendum. And it was. And, and <laughs> you know, the, uh, the, obviously the mayor, Brenda Locke, and her, her team who supported keeping the RCMP won the election. So, and prior to this legislation, prior to Mike Farmer's decision, both he and the premier said it's up to Surrey to decide. Well, apparently it wasn't up to Surrey to decide. So, you know, I, they've made quite a, a mess of this one. And I don't know how you're going to get out of it. Even if you do this, 
it's going to take years, I mean years, for the Surrey Police Service to staff up. Um, that is going to take a very long time. So the RCMP will remain police of jurisdiction for, I think, at least a year or two, uh, maybe even longer, because it's not easy to hire police. And also, some people are saying, I don't really want to go to Surrey. Well, and we do know that this is going to go to the courts. Surrey has made that decision. But here's my other fear. And somebody's got to blink at some point. It could go to the courts, and the courts could come down with a ruling and... The province can go ahead and change the legislation again, and it can continue. I'm not saying it would, but that could happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I mean, technically speaking, and uh, not more than technically speaking, legally speaking, all municipalities are creations of the provincial government. So um, Victoria, well, not Victoria, but the provincial government could dissolve Surrey or Vancouver or Victoria and <clears throat> set it up under a new name and with a new government or run it themselves, technically. But practically speaking, it's crazy. So, you know, I think uh, basically nothing much is going to happen until we hear this court case argued out and a decision made, and then we'll see where we are. Um, I'm, I understand frustration, but I also understand when Mayor Locke says this is going to be extremely expensive, um, she's not wrong. Well, no, and it's not going to be. It is right now. We know that. Um, but people are frustrated and they're looking for an ultimate answer. We're going to have to stay tuned. Sorry, it's not going to end right away. <laughs> uh, let's move to uh, the London Drugs, uh, just down below the tower here where I am. The downtown London Drugs. The scuttlebutt, the uh, the rumors were that it's going to be leaving, leaving Vancouver. Why? Because of rampant shoplifting. Oh mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm, thoughts. Yeah, it's it's uh, and you know London Drugs is, is now saying uh, they're not absolutely uh, agreeing that it's gravel in Georgia, but they ha- they are looking at their at their downtown locations, and it's also violence against the staff, which is just terrible. Um, you know, we've heard this story, Bruce, over and over from other merchants in downtown Vancouver and, and in other locations as well. Um, it just, you know, I don't blame the police. They can't be everywhere all the time. But you have some pretty flagrant and, and pretty brash criminals who are just walking and stealing stuff. They try and stop me. Just try, you know. Uh, and we see security in places I've never seen, like private security, in places I've never seen it before, all over the, all over the city right now, as an attempt to try and stop uh, crime from happening. But... Um, Pretty clearly, we've got a drug problem and we've got a crime problem. Yeah, well, it's welcome to Vancouver. Stay at a nice hotel downtown. Go down to Pacific Center down below. Oh, you forgot something. Pick it up over at London Drugs. And guess what? You start to see some of the signs that this is not a safe city, even in the really nice area. Uh, so I get what they're talking about. But, um, of course, as you hinted, London Drugs is uh, doing a little bit of damage control on this and saying, uh, hey, wait a second, rumor right now, any plans we have that's down the road? Yeah, it's, it's and you know, they made clear that they've had an increase in theft. Olympic Village, downtown Eastside, Kitsilino, Dunbar neighborhoods, all experiencing increase in crime. So it, it isn't limited to downtown, but... Uh, certainly, that's. I think that's the the store that is most likely the one that would be having the highest volume. Bruce Claggett in for Mike Smith, along with veteran BC political strategist, former Vancouver City Council candidate Bill Thielman. Let's go straight to the phones, uh, Jim in Surrey. Jim, what's on your mind? Well, good morning, gentlemen. Um, I just want to know if the city of Surrey can defer all taxes related to the new police department. The provincial government wanted it in. They can pay for it. We'll pay for the RCMP after that. No, thank you. We're yeah, not good question, uh, Jim. Uh, you know, Bill, I think that um, yeah. 
It's a question I had in my mind. How nasty do you want to be about this, and what is the power that a city can have? Well, I think ultimately, as we've seen, uh, the difference in cost, like BC uh, government offered $150 million over five years, so like $30 million a year, and the uh, uh, province offered that to the city. The city is saying, like, try over double that is the actual cost it's going to be. Um, we haven't seen, as you know, there was back and forth of, of um, you know, uh, in-camera type documents, uh, confidential documents that we couldn't see. But pretty clearly, uh, there are substantially increased costs. Even the province admits that. Um, and, you know, the SPS needs a gun range. They need cars, guns. They need um, IT system. There's a lot of expensive pieces that the RCMP already has that you can't just transfer over from the RCMP. You have to set up new ones. So there's a lot of hard costs as well as the operational costs. And uh, I, I suspect that if the government pushes through and is successful, and I'm not convinced they will be successful in court anyway, um, but if they do, I suspect Surrey will put a line item on the taxes uh, that'll say SPS transition uh, costs imposed by provincial government on every tax bill. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure that's oh, what you're going to Oh, I don't see. know, Bill. Would they oh, really I do. do that? Oh, I do know. <laughs> I think that's where it's going to go. Okay. Well, good question, Jim. I appreciate that. Uh, in Coquitlam, Daryl. Daryl, what do you think? I, I just want uh, uh, Bill's opinion on this. Various cities in Ontario have tried this with the province of Ontario. The latest one was John Tory in Toronto when the premier cut the city uh, councillors of Toronto by 50%. And what I think a lot of people don't understand is cities do not have constitutional power. Neither does municipalities. When, when fine where it said that they were going to put, that they are also going to enact a provision where they can have an administrator, the province had time um, dismissed elected school boards and put in administrators. So I don't understand why she continues to spend money. Even Wally Opal says they have no chance of success in the courts. So why does she keep spending money on this? Interesting one. We'll pick up on that. Uh, Thanks for the call, Daryl. The province can dismiss a police board, of course, can't it? Oh, oh, they appoint the police board, except for Brenda Locke. The mayor is automatically a member of the police board in every location, but but the province appoints the police board. But, uh, you know, to, to Daryl's point, uh, yes, we saw a previous uh, B.C. Liberal government fire the Vancouver school board and another school board and replace them with an administrator. And then, then there was a by-election to re-elect, and, um, you know, most of the trustees who were fired got re-elected. And, and that's gone back into the old days in the Socrates, too. So, uh, I mean, technically speaking, there's no question the province has created municipalities, and, and they can uncreate them or change them, etc. But there's there's what you can do technically and what you can do practically and politically, Bruce, as you know. And so I think that at some point um, there's going to have to be either either going to be a compromise or it's going to be scorched earth on this one. But, um, you know, we're moving towards scorched earth at the moment. And, uh, you know, the province faces provincial MLAs face an election next year. Uh, there's a fixed election date for October and there's uh, seven of nine NDP MLAs in Surrey. So, um, you know, that's another factor in all this. It's a huge factor, and Bill, I hope we can pick up on that at some point, maybe even this week, depending upon the topics, because that is the other side to this whole thing. And I know you and I have had uh, conversations about that. Thanks for your time, Bill. We're going to do it again tomorrow. My pleasure.